Someone else has already said it best. This is the best, the best of it. The best ones aren't as good as you probably think they are. What is best in life? I did the best I could. Doing my best. 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 tumbling down, pledging their love to the ground. Way out west there was this fella, fella I want to tell you about, fella by the name of Jeff Lebowski. At least that was the handle his loving parents gave him. And he never had much use for it himself. This Lebowski, he called himself the Dude. Now, Dude, that's a name no one would self-apply where I come from. But then there was a lot about the Dude that didn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Ah, <laughs> yes, hello, hello, and welcome to Best of the Best Podcast. With myself, Connor Keys, alongside me, as always, Mr. Ronan Mullen. Hello. And uh, yes, as you heard, uh, we are about to delve into the best of um, in the uh, film section. Film section. Which is uh, The Big Lebowski. Yes. The Dude. Um, you hear the introduction there at the start, um, which is the intro to the film, with uh, the dulcet tones of Sam Elliott narrating. Uh, you can hear his mustache fluffing. <laughs> you can hear it rubbing against the foam. Do you remember that in Tom and Jerry, the wee mouse playing the banjo with the big mad mustache, and it was always blowing when he. <laughs> Every time I see Sam Elliott, I think of that mouse. Yeah, so the the Sam Elliott does a, a narration at the start, but uh, sets us up nicely and explains that we're talking about Mr. Jeff Lebowski, aka the dude, the dude, and. Uh, yeah, so this, uh, The Big Lebowski is, what year did we say? Uh, we're talking... 98. 98, another 90s. Mm-hmm. You'd, you'd wonder what decade we grew up in. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> Well, to be fair, we've got a lot of comments, really positive comments recently, about we're doing some things that people actually have seen. So the more obscure we get, the worse feedback we get. Yeah. So... But then it defeats the whole purpose of what we started this off. Yeah, we, but we're we going to we're gonna hit a brick wall, and we're not. We're just going to be doing obscure stuff yeah, for a few weeks. So it's going to happen. Prepare at some point. Um, but when you have chemistry like this, Mom, I know. I was going to say something what, really sarcastic. They were like, "It doesn't matter what the topic is. Great chemicals. <laughs> Great chemicals. No chemicals were used in this production. They were. I'm dosed today, both. <laughs> but no. Yeah. Well, to be fair, this one sort of as a cult classic in the CMV and is everything we've touched on pretty much film wise has been pretty cultish yeah definitely, didn't really yeah. get the credit it does except for Goodfellas well to be fair as we said in the Goodfellas podcast and the screenings of Goodfellas it wasn't received well no yeah. so it took a minute yeah it took a while and so you're talking about 21 years so I mean that's I mean is it really cult in, it cannot be classed as cult. I mean, it's very well known. Uh, well, but again, is it only because I only speak to nerds and geeks? That's why it's well known. But that, I sort of I know where you're coming from because, but it wasn't received well critically, and it at, wasn't at received time, well no, at the yeah. box office. Yeah, and even it took for home media for it to really sort of gather traction. But I mean, within four years of it being out, there was Lebowski festivals. There was yeah a Lebowski. Religion, there was, I mean... Iconic is the word I would use on yeah, those characters. Yeah, they enough, have yeah. quite iconic characters, especially the dude and and, uh, and Walter. Before we get into characters, we should explain then, this is a Coen Brothers um, film. Mm-hmm. Um, Ethan and Joel Coen, who have well, pretty much been relentless in their consistency um, yeah. of quality films that's been produced. People uh, say there's a few dips, but I don't, I don't think there are. When you go back to them, it's sort of like this... You, Appreciate them just a wee bit more. Yeah. So before this, we're talking uh, you're Barton going, Fink. You're going um, Blood Simple, Barton Fink, Raising Arizona, mm-hmm. Miller's Crossing. Miller's Crossing. Hot Sucker Proxy. And yeah. just before this film, Fargo, which Fargo finally Fargo. got yeah. them a bit of... Well, they were always critically lauded because they were considered quite uh, filmic... Sort of geniuses in a way, to yeah. be honest. Because but Oscars came calling type thing Oscar, for Fargo. It really, yeah. it really hit home with Fargo. Now, funny enough... Barton Fink came out in 1981, and they wrote The Big Lebowski the same year they wrote Barton Fink. Right. So okay. this has been sitting on the shelf for a wee while, and they wanted Fargo to come, or Big Lebowski to come just before Fargo. Mm-hmm. But the way it worked, they had a more polished sort of script for Fargo, so Fargo came first, 
and it was the right choice. Yeah, absolutely. But for for the likes of me and yourself and other Cohen fans, we really didn't see that the Big Lebowski was what's coming. No. After Fargo. Definitely not. Because no. the Hudsucker proxy was pretty strange. Mm-hmm. And a, a bit of a, a niche sort of film. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. But this is niche in a whole other... This pretty much invented, which I was reading this morning, it invented a genre called the slacker noir. A slacker noir? Okay. Which is followed on with films like Inherit Vice, etc. They're yeah. sort of like the, the central hero doesn't really know he's a hero <laughs> and doesn't really know much. And doesn't want to be the hero. And doesn't want yeah. to be the hero. So speaking of the hero then, so in this uh, film, the the, uh, the Big Lebowski isn't actually Jeff Lebowski. Um, no. Yeah, uh, so the Big which Lebowski. Which you only really find out in the credits. Uh, no. Because it doesn't say the dude, Jeff I've, Bridges, and then it says the Big Lebowski is... I, it's in the film. He says... The dude says he calls your man the Big Lebowski. Okay. Yeah, I didn't realise that until no. we watching, yeah. And um, because I was munching loudly and crisps, I had the subtitles. <laughs> <laughs> the subtitles showed me. I was like, ah, didn't know that. <laughs> I can see that. I just got a visual of that completely. Big bag of space right around right. the fucking subtitles have to go on. Um, so Beef? Oh, absolutely. Aye, aye. Aye. I'm not allowed to pick a lunch one because um, I'm not allowed to sleep in the same room as the wife. They're so fierce. They are fucking humming me. Um, but yeah, anyway, away from that. Uh, so the uh, Jeff Lebowski, um, <coughs> played by Jeff Bridges, mm-hmm. quite handy to have the same first name for him. It did. Yeah. Um, I mean, an absolutely just outstanding performance. A nothing performance, uh, uh, like the, the Coens, so understated. Yeah, yeah, the Coens have said it wasn't written for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, Buscemi's role, Sam Elliott's role, and John Goodman's role. Were written on the paper for those three actors. Yeah. And Turturro. And Turturro. Yeah. Well, his oh, his yeah. came later because they had to fill a gap. <laughs> right. Um, but we'll speak about that in a okay. minute. But Bridges just came out of nowhere and they've said on record the only time they had to direct him was when he would turn up to set, they were about to shoot this scene and he would go, would, um, <laughs> would, <laughs> would, Lebowski, would the dude have burned a doobie right before this particular scene? And yeah. they were like, yeah, yeah. So you just go over and like rub his eyes for a while yeah. and come back. When I and be Jeff Bridges, <laughs> well, I'm pretty sure he didn't rubbing his eyes to make them red was what they were saying. Yeah. And and I was gutted. I genuinely thought that her stoned. Well, they can't legally say and, he and was no, stoned on a set, but, but I, I would pretty thing. much guess. But then no, I also thought about it then in more detail, and because I have known people to have partaken in uh, such herbal vitamins. That right. uh, big boys, big boys, uh, it makes sense because how the fuck would you get anything done the rest of the day if you're on set and you're filming if you were actually baked? So, I and and they have said, uh, notoriously, they had to stick to a script, there was no mm-hmm. improvising in that at all. No, there's no improvising, no. which it feels like it's at times mental that there's no improvisation but in they, there, but yeah, like you had to stick exact. So, uh, yeah, if you were on the influence of anything, it would have yeah. been a nightmare. So, uh, yeah, so he went to the corner, rubbed his eyes really hard to try and give yeah. that red effect, and that was uh, his mindset into uh, believing that the yeah. dude would have sparked up a J before he came into... Which I think was pretty much nearly every... It was just pretty much every scene. Every scene. Because if Uh, he isn't talking about doobies, he's he's he's, drinking. He's rolling one or he's drinking, He's drinking, so... Uh, So we should explain, yeah. So he is, as the Americans would call, uh, a pothead. Um, He's a bit of a stoner, so he would... Kind of has a sort of surfing dude type. Yeah. You know, obviously the dude part, but he's got that sort of just laid back, don't care, um, wearing a dressing robe tracksuits you know i love the fact that he was bang in the middle of la the most health conscious fucking yeah in the city 90s in, in the 90s and the whole of america and everybody's all jogging and salads and mm-hmm. all that sort of stuff and he's out in the fucking dressing room the fitness vhs's are like number one two <laughs> and three right, in yeah. the sales charts mm-hmm. and he's <laughs> he's out there but like writing checks to get groceries and stuff <laughs> yeah, writing a 69p check Just for milk doesn't care uh so then you have uh i mean Jeff, well, we'll stay on Jeff Bridges for now before we move on to the rest of the characters. I mean, he did a, a an unbelievable job in this, but he sort of, the physical end of things, he let himself go away, but he was allowed to put a bit of weight on. Yeah. Because we should point out, the Coens have said the dude is based on a real person. It is based on a real person. Big called, fat guy, apparently. Called Jeff Dowd. 
Dowd, okay, I didn't know his no, name. No, Jeff right. Dowd is actually um, like a, a marketing guy who worked on films. Okay. Um, they met him when they were, he was one of the guys who helped Robert Redford set up the Sundance Film Festival. Okay. Right. And they met him when they were uh, put forward their first film, Blood Simple. It was in 1981. Mm-hmm. So they were like, this guy was like that then. And he continues to be like that now. This is like the entirety of his speak, his cadence, how he walks, is this guy Jeff out. So he he's the guy who would ring them, or they would they rang and says we're going to base a character on you, and they they started the conversation by saying, "Dude, Duder or Duderino," like as in, "Hey, dude, Duder, Duderino." That's how they spoke to him, <laughs> and then they were adding that into the script because. That's how he refers to himself. He, yeah, so this guy, Jeff Dowd, he actually refers to himself as the dude, the dude. And he wants other people to call him the dude. Yeah. So this was translated then onto the script and to the character of Jeff Lebowski, who is known by everybody as the dude, which linguistically turns out to be fantastic. Yeah. Because you've got, no matter who it is, no matter what their standing is in the film, they have to <laughs> reference him as dude. Yeah. So uh, I, I, there's so many, like, uh, we'll, we'll come on to the other characters that are uh, sort of uh, in the background. When you when you look at the what they used for Jeff Dowd, obviously the physicality and what he wore, mm-hmm. and he's quite a disheveled. Uh, there's a few documentaries about him online. Obviously, he goes to all the fests, all the Lebowski yeah. and stuff, yeah. because he's like a hero. But there's another guy. He also drinks White Russians. So they took <laughs> that course. directly from him. There's another guy called Peter X-Lane. Right. And he's a friend of the Coens that he met after Barry Sonnenfeld used to be their cinematographer. Oh, right, okay. Yeah. So Barry Sonnenfeld introduced him to this guy. Mm-hmm. This guy um, became friends with the Coens and they told him all these stories about himself um, and how he had a friend called Louis Abernathy, who was a Vietnam vet, <laughs> who later became a private investigator and helped him track down and confront a high school kid who stole his car. They found him by finding his eighth grade homework in the seat. <laughs> So it's all it's like, all there. It's yeah. all there. so yeah. it was all just stories they pulled out of these. Yeah. And you know, if you've ever seen interviews with the Coen Brothers, they're not they're not like unsociable, but they're more listeners. Yeah, the type of guys yeah, that would sit and listen. Of, yeah, sort of so s- these guys are just blathering at them, ah, and they're, and they're sponging every yeah. aspect of it. Because the the, the, the Coens have been asked before on this film and other films, you know, do you just sit around and just smoke dudes <laughs> to come up with these stories? And they're like. No, nope. <laughs> we just have to listen. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so this the character you're talking about. Then we'll go, we'll go on to probably my favorite character in the whole thing, uh, Walter. Yeah, yeah. Walter. Walter Solchek is it or Sol Solchek? It's a Solchek. Solchek, who is the the Vietnam vet we talked about? Um, uh, he's the dude's best friend, I suppose, but also. They do not have a fight with each other um, because it's Walter. Um, yeah. And the, uh, John Goodman plays Walter. Um, probably the greatest role John Goodman, I think, has ever played. He, he's, well, he's ever been given, yeah. Uh, he's he's fantastic at it. The character is fantastic himself. But Walter is uh, full of anger and uh, rules and regulations that have to be stuck by, um, no matter what it is. Uh, but he knows everything. And... Uh, We'll show you a clip here, or listen, did you listen to a clip of um, what happens at a bowling game? Um, bowling is, is quite uh, instrumental in this, because dude is a bowler, of course, obviously. Why would he not be? Yeah. <laughs> um, and they play in a league uh, with Walter and uh, their friend Donny, who we'll talk about in a bit. But this is uh, Walter spotting a bit of a foul happening during the game. Um, for how smoky. Huh? I'm sorry, Smokey. You were over the line. That's a foul. Bullshit. Market eight, dude. Uh, excuse me. Market zero. Next frame. Bullshit, Walter. Market eight, dude. Smokey, this is not nom. This is bowling. There are rules. Hey, Walter, come on. It's just, hey, man, it's Smokey. So his toe slipped over a little, you know? It's just a game, man. This is a league game. This determines who enters the next round robin. Am I wrong? Yeah, but I wasn't. Am I wrong? Yeah, but I wasn't over. Give me the marker, dude. I'm marking an eight. Smoky, my friend. <laughs> he pulls out the gun. You're entering a world of pain. Walter, man. You mark that frame in eight, you're entering a world of pain. I'm not. A world of pain. Look, dude, I, this is your partner. Has the whole world gone crazy? 
Am I the only one around here who gives a shit about the rules? Market zero! They're calling the cops, man. Put the piece away. Market zero! Walter, put the piece <laughs> away. Don't. Walter? You think I'm fucking around here, market zero? Smokey shame. <laughs> Alright, it's fucking zero. You happy, you crazy fuck? It's a league game, Smokey. <laughs> <laughs> it's a league game, Smokey. <laughs> so why yes. this is all going on, it's just a, an active bowling alley, and there's like yeah, people bowling, bowling. And he's brought you here the dog barking. He's, he's got his, his, ex-wife's, uh, his dog. ex-wife's dog that he has to look after. And uh, yeah, it's just, that's the mindset of Walter. That's what we love about yeah. him. He just wants to pull a gun out because the guy's foot was a real line. <laughs> it's, <laughs> the the, whole, it's the one thing he has in his life that has a rule that he sticks to. Yeah. And nobody else listens to him in anything else, but... This has to be done right. <laughs> he takes bowling so seriously. Yeah, it's, yeah it is his life. And uh, apparently he, he, he owns a security firm. He is owns what a security his, firm. Yeah, is the character does. So, and as I was uh, telling you earlier, Smokey is a Grammy Award winning musician from Austin. Yes, I just found that out. I did not know that. Um, I remember seeing him in the documentary and thinking, that guy looks for how long? <laughs> and he, he's the exact same still. The long, the long hair, slicked right, back okay. hair. <laughs> Jimmy Dale Gilmore. There you are. Very good. Look, That's see, every so day is a school day, boy. Uh, and uh, so, I mean, Walter. Then, I mean, he's he's sort of the uh, the antagonist uh, throughout the whole thing. He sort of fucks up everything. Um, yeah. With the gung ho attitude of I can I can do anything and I can uh, save the world type thing. Yeah, he's. Uh, and this is a, sort of the the Vietnam kind of mindset of you know I I'm a vet. I have the right to do this. He's uh, a vet. Know. He still wears his fatigues. He still references yeah, still Vietnam him, yeah. quite a bit about his friends dying face down in the mud. But what was actually said during an interview with John Goodman, uh, Steve Buscemi and Jeff Bridges last year at the 20th anniversary was they all questioned, do you think Walter actually was in the war? Because most people that you know who were in a war don't talk about don't it. Don't want to talk about it, yeah. And they were thinking, was he probably one of the boys, boys that like fuck it, yeah, yeah, like was. carried coffee and stuff off the plane? That's it. Yeah, he wasn't anybody in the shit. So yeah, speak. he wasn't actually there. Yeah, uh huh. Yeah, quite possible. Yeah, because it's, it's, well, it's, it's Walter. Yeah, yeah it's Walter. Uh, so John Goodman plays Walter. We then have, if you talk about the trio of bowlers, um, the third one is the trio of bowlers. It's so good. That's <laughs> yeah. your central like character in the film. Yeah. It's brilliant. Is uh, Donny mm-hmm. played by Steve Buscemi? Um, who nearly turned it down because right. when he read it, he felt so bad for the guy. Um, <laughs> until the end, which I won't tell you what happened, we'll probably say something about it. But uh, and then he started to realize it was about the sort of relationship between the three guys, yeah. When they never they don't actually formally say, like, Donnie just gets berated <laughs> all the time, like 99% yeah. of us. And it was pointed out to me yesterday that. Um, the dude doesn't actually talk to Donnie except for once in the whole film. Get out. He's only talking to Walter the whole time. And then the theory started that it's a figment of Walter's imagination that Donnie exists. Ah, that, well, that would make... I just, I'm really, I'm trying to think of all the scenes of Megan right now. He it's just something about... He, he, remember when Donnie says something about the phone's ringing, dude? And he's like, yes, Donnie. That's it. That's the only time he references that Donnie exists. Right. And okay. you're like... Because right. the part... Uh, the Coens had said this as well. The part was written for Buscemi, but it was mainly to try... Because they said something about when Fargo was about... And, and all the films Buscemi's been in with them, mm-hmm. he's a motormouth. He non-stop talking. Yeah, he yeah. talks all the time. And Fargo especially, he's a real, real talkative mm-hmm. part. So they wanted to see what it would be like to do the opposite. Yeah. Of giving him very little lines. Mm-hmm. But it has to. he's, he's an integral part of the, of the trio. Um, I think he plays it fucking... Brilliantly, um, but the the bouncing off him and Walter is world class. Yeah, Walter gives him nothing but grief. No, um, and <laughs> every time Per Donny tries to say something or ask a question, he just gets fucking torn apart. Uh, I can't remember. Is it your outer element, Donny? Is that the one? Your outer element. Your outer element. But when you see it, we've got an audio of it here. But when you see it, uh, it's a single camera shot all the time, and none of the three boys. Even like not even an eyebrow is raised or a slight like we're gonna laugh. It's mm-hmm. played beautifully. Like yeah. like none of them knows the other person's there. They're just talking, just talking. Yeah, and that was a uh, you know I'm not gonna say it's the first time. It's not the first time, but it's just it was so natural. It genuinely made you think that they were improvising. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's that's why it was uh, sort of mind blowing to me that when the the 
anniversary Blu-ray came out last year, mm-hmm. and uh, I got a copy of it, and I was watching all the behind-the-scenes stuff. Like they they hit in nearly every documentary. Like you had to stick to your lines, mm-hmm. everything black and white, mm-hmm. red, like we said it. So yeah. if you didn't get into character, and another thing that was funny in one of the documentaries was uh, when they were doing rehearsals, Jeff Bridges was saying how he's just going to play a mellow the whole time, mm-hmm. and the cones. Who, by the way, both write it, but one's a producer and one's a director. So Joel directs, mm-hmm. but they both sort of direct. It's sort of, yeah. There was just, um, but when they're credited, they credit as producer yeah. and director exclusively. But they were looking at him going, how are you going to do that with all the scenes when you're getting sort of irate mm-hmm. and shouting? And then they were like, one day on the set, and he was roaring and shouting the line. Because <laughs> <laughs> you can't not you can't when not you're with getting Walter. frustrated yeah, with yeah, yeah. Yeah. Walter and Donnie. And uh, it, it, it did play such a... a it played such a, a a big role in that uh, highlighting that the, the the stoner community, yeah, um, and that complete laid back, which is kind of a cliche, but they took the cliche to the next level. Yeah, you know, it's like not only he's not looking after, he doesn't groom himself or wash himself, but no. he just does not care. Everything no. is so and. Uh, so then you have we'll, we'll we'll play this clip of the three in together and uh, again they're in the bowling alley and uh, they're trying to discuss uh, <laughs> trying to discuss Lennon. How much did they give you? Twenty grand, man. And of course, I still get to keep the rug. Just for making the handle. Yeah, they gave uh, do the beeper. Also, whenever these guys call. What if it's during a game? Oh, I told him uh, if it was during league play. <laughs> What's during league play? Life uh, does not stop and start you know, at your convenience, you I, miserable uh, piece of shit. I, I figure. What's wrong uh, with Walter, dude? Uh, I figure it's easy money. You know, it's all pretty harmless. You probably kidnapped yourself. Huh? Oh, what do you mean, dude? Rug Piers did not do this. Look at it. A young trophy wife marries this guy for his money. She figures that he hasn't given her enough. You know, she owes money all over town. Oh. Fucking. It's all a goddamn fake, man. It's like Lennon said. You look for the person who will benefit and, uh, uh, you know. I am uh, the walrus. You know, you'll, uh, uh, you know what I'm trying to say. I am the walrus. (laughs) Fucking bitch. Oh, yeah. I am the walrus. Shut the fuck up, Donnie. D.I. Lennon. Vladimir Ilyich Ulyanov. What the fuck is he talking about? (laughs) (laughs) The level of confusion is so good. And the walrus. <laughs> Wait, what's he talking about? Like he's answering his question directly, yeah. and he's still going. What are you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, so, uh, so yeah, and I mean, uh, Bishami does, as I say, we plays a a, a, a blender in this. Um, now, if you've listened to that bit of audio and you've never seen the film, you're going to be like, "What are they talking about? Ransoms yeah. and that." So, but it's even more confusing for us to try to explain to you how we're at this point in the film. Yeah. Because it's, it's sort of like a film that has about 95 set pieces, yeah. and they all link together. They all link, yeah. But how one links to the other? Yeah, well, uh, I suppose you... Can we call it a MacGuffin? Can we call it, it a MacGuffin? The uh, way it's the, described the rug? is... The, the MacGuffin is... Uh, the rug is a MacGuffin. Yeah. But... Um, have we talked about MacGuffins before? We have, yeah. We did, we said it, but yeah. we didn't describe what it was. Okay, so but, can we describe that before we go any further? A MacGuffin is... Oh, I was leaving YouTube. You just looked at Teddy's like a drink or something. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so MacGuffin is a, an item or a, an object or a, a piece of a storyline within the film that leads the film but doesn't really be revealed to what it is yeah. or doesn't really it have, doesn't a have a closure. Major... It doesn't have a major thing. Yeah, yes. it's not a way. So uh, Pulp Fiction, the briefcase, the briefcase uh, you never see what's inside it, nope. uh, but it leads everything and everybody's reacting to it and blah, blah, and it's totally up to yourself to decide what's in it. Yeah. Um, so that sort of thing. So this was a, this is all about uh, the dude who, uh, mistaken identity, somebody breaks into his house and they pee on his rug. Mistaking him for a millionaire, which he clearly isn't, clearly in like not, a yeah. downtrodden yeah. LA apartment. So the other, the other millionaire that they've uh, confused him with is uh, also named Lebowski, mm-hmm. and that's where the reference is. He's the the big Lebowski because he's the one with the money. Mm-hmm. Uh, so onto the other uh, characters, then. So a character who appears very little in the film but stands out so much, um, which uh, honestly. It could be anyone. 
I know the one you're on about, but yeah. there's about five. There's, of there's them. a lot of them, but this one I'm going to say is a scene stealer of all, mainly because of the yeah. introduction. That's it given is the, to him. It is one of the best intros for a non. Like I, I mean this. He has nothing to do with the film. No, and it's one of the best, of the best. cameos yeah. in a film. Uh, so we're talking about John Turturro. Yep. Who plays Jesus? Um, I love the fact that they didn't call him Jesus. Yeah. It's just Jesus. Jesus and Quintana. <laughs> Jesus Quintana, who is a rival bowling uh, competitor who a couple of lanes down just happens to pass the guys and talks to them. But Walter has already explained to the dude um, that he's actually a pedophile yep. who uh, had to go around the local neighborhood and declare themselves. Which, is it? Uh, that's that's an American thing, isn't it? They that have is, to, yeah. A, what do you get, Megan's Law or something, isn't it? Yeah, isn't so if you are... Well, what's the one in America? It's something else's name. Like, oh, maybe Megan's Maybe Megan's Law there, yeah. Um, so if you're if you're uh, on the sex offenders register or anything to get, you have to go door to door. Well, you have to declare yourself as yeah. first. Um, and then let your neighbours know and that, that you are. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that law Which hasn't is, come in here yet. Um, well, it's, it opens itself up for a bit of abuse, like... Mm. There'll be a lot of dead pedophiles. Yeah. Not, a, not necessarily a bad thing. No, but... But we're um, not going to go into that. I don't see how it fixes the problem. No, absolutely not. I, I don't see how a person like that being put into a neighborhood where there are children has the potential of being a good idea. Yeah, no. None of that's good. No. So this is Jesus, and the fact that it's all Jesus. Um, so Jesus uh, is, like I say, he is the rival competitor. He's getting ready for uh, competing. <laughs> He wants to. He's getting ready for the competition against uh, Walter, the dude, and Donnie's team. Yeah, and uh, this is this is the, their first meeting of him, and this is just after he uh, just after Walter it. had done the the, the 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 previous night. He had taken the gun out on the lanes yep. and on the floor and uh, threatened everybody. So Jesus wants to make sure he gets his warning. So here we go, John Turturro. My point is, are you ready to be fucked, man? <laughs> I see you roll your way into the semis. Dios mío, man. <laughs> Liam and me, we're gonna fuck you up. Yeah. Liam? Liam. Well, he looks you know, like an absolute pedophile like, uh, dude. Your opinion, man. <laughs> Let me tell you something, Pandeo. You pull any of your crazy shit with us, you flash a piece out on the lanes. I'll take it away from you and stick it up your ass and pull the fucking trigger till it goes click. <laughs> now this is now this is this is, this is why I love the reaction, right? Yeah. That's why I pause it there, right? The reaction because the, the double layer of the Jesus is great. Mm -hmm. So Jesus. You said it man. <laughs> Nobody fucks with the Jesus. The Jesus? The Jesus, not even Jesus. Nobody fucks with the Jesus. <laughs> so yes, uh, Totoro. Yeah, um, he, he turns up with the. Uh, <laughs> he turns up just. It just opens with him bowling and dancing. Yeah. To Ooh. his own, to his own, like glorifying himself of being good at bowling. He dances. Yeah. After he gets a strike. But it's it's the uh, the Coens did a great job of that you know it's a the montage of you know the tongue comes out to lick the ball and ball yeah it's all before he goes throws that thing oh that's but Roger Deakins that's the Deacon, yeah, the cinematographer is using great job and but the thing is about it the, I, what I just love it all is the uh, is it Gypsy Kings it's the Gypsy Kings Gypsy Kings playing Hotel California <laughs> in the background it's just fucking brilliant which you cannot hear now without thinking I about cannot, Quintana that, doing yeah, his dances absolutely every time I hear the intro of that I just think oh fuckers Jesus there's also a <laughs> Jesus shot is coming. there's also a shot of Liam's gut <laughs> doing a wee wiggle dance sort of thing <laughs> like close up oh man uh, yeah so uh, I love the fact that if you look at this and if you watch this film you haven't seen it or if you have seen it before and you're watching back just take a look at Liam yeah Liam yeah. Jesus where, Quintana where did Jesus and Liam meet and Liam yeah <laughs> looks like it was a fucking pedophile fucking counselling course <laughs> um, so yes they seem to be good buddies but that's that, as, as we said earlier that's the cameo that's pretty much it they don't you know there's yeah there's he, he comes back later to shout about the, uh, they changed the date of yeah because he doesn't roll in Shabbat <laughs> Shabbat Shabbat like he turn, every time he turns up you're just that's unreal so um so that's that's the the bowling contingents, if you want to call it that. Um, you move on then. So the other the, the the big Lebowski is the one, the millionaire who is um, basically his wife has been uh, allegedly kidnapped, mm -hmm. and there's a ransom. So 
him being a multi-millionaire uh, doesn't want to get his hands dirty by doing anything involved with Ransom and by pure chance they just the dude had appeared looking the for d- his rug the dude had <laughs> appeared looking for a replacement for his rug yeah because uh, he they had an argument about it and yeah. then he stole the rug and they anyway. stole the rug yeah and that's pretty much that's it all that happened between them two yeah so then we get the phone call and that's when we lead into the next because uh, again some uh, genius casting by the Coen brothers so you have Philip Seymour Hoffman yep playing uh the assistant or the aide to the the millionaire um who again is fantastic in this he's brilliant is on and, and he's one of the guys i laugh at every time he tries says, to touch the pictures <laughs> he's freaking out he's so anxious about fingerprints. <laughs> everything's all so, so ocd and i love the fact that he's the one who has to say dude a couple of times yes he's quite posh he's quite yeah upper class or middle class and uh we appreciate this dude what, uh, is, what does he say about when the big Lebowski's finds out that she's been kidnapped? He's in seclusion in the West Wing or something. <laughs> or in the Upper Wing or something. Yeah, but he, he puts his hand out theatrically and bows his head <laughs> while walking. Yeah, walking on, yeah. Oh, it's, it's, it's amazing. amazing. Well, um, it's just, it's, it's, uh, it's almost the human incarnation of Smithers. Yeah, um, it, it really is. Yeah, I, that's like, by that's pretty much. version of it. Uh, so then you have uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman. You have uh, can't remember the name of the guy that plays the Big Lebowski, Hiddleton or Tiddleton, something like that, or Larry I, something close to that. Um, David Hoddleston. Hoddleston, and you was Santa same. Claus. Santa Claus. Oh yes, uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, and then uh, we lead in then to uh, his daughter, mm-hmm. played magnificently by Julianne Moore. Yeah. Um, who is like who's mod uh, an avant-garde artist a Yoko Ono type absolutely Yoko Ono was a bang on uh, description of her actually mm-hmm. um, who I didn't realise at the time she came up with that accent she came up with the accent that she speaks in and that which is kind of like yeah it's not really it's not an American accent or it's English not, or English and uh, I think the Coens were interviewed and asked about it and they said that she came to them with this accent Okay, and they were like, "Yes, it just sounds like somebody from America who was sent to like a Swiss finishing school for girls." You know, oh, like that, a boarding school? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. So that accent. Yeah, so that accent. And it's then. just a real mash of like a hundred different voices. Yeah, voice yeah. going on. So, uh, but she plays in uh, the daughter of the big Lebowski, and um, she, yeah, like we say, she's uh, the artsy kind, um, speaking Japanese, and you know, mm-hmm. fucking, she does. Uh, <laughs> What does she, what does she call it? She does uh, art, but it's like basically her buck naked. Yes, going along throwing a zipline, oh, yeah, and throwing paint from her body onto the floor, and that's yeah. you know, so real proper. Obviously, the Cohen's taking the piss out of the avant-garde yeah. scene. Um, in the background, then you have uh, a local head too, David Thulis. Yes, David Thulis plays uh, a friend. Um, video visual artist or something, a visual artist is what he's known as. Um, who just is in the background again. These sort of characters, Knox Harrington, Knox Harrington. That was on. the characters are there. Don't have a major part, but when oh. they do, they're so impactful. It's unreal. Like, yeah, like he's no Thulis is class because he keeps giggling. He's such a over the top eccentric, and then you see the balance of him and the dude just not getting him not and getting more totally, irritated. Yeah. He doesn't get irritated by many things. No, but, but he's irritated by this point. He keeps giggling within minutes. He's <laughs> yeah. irritated by him. Um, yeah. So that that and and uh, what's happening there is uh, Julianne Moore's character is aware that the millionaires. Um, Alleged kidnapping of the, the 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 trophy wife, played by Tara Reid. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, she is aware that that's not true, so she wants to get Lebowski on board. Yeah, because the money that he's used using or mm-hmm. used to try and um, pay off kidnappers is from a foundation he set up for underachieving kids. Yeah, <laughs> the urban achievers, which is brilliant in yeah. itself. Yeah, the little urban achievers, the Lebowski. We then have, um, you know, as the film goes on, you've got other sort of uh, people that are, are characters that pop up um, that are, are linked into this kidnapping. So you've got the trio of nihilists. Yeah. Who appear and... Uh, who are, you see early on, you see one of them passed out asleep in a swimming pool. Yes. Which is Peter Stormare. Yeah. And then they turn up and it's... <laughs> In, in the bathtub. In the bathtub with a with what I thought at the time was a ferret. But I it's thought not, it was a ferret, uh, but it's a marmot. A marmot. 
Uh, they turn up with his marmot. The dude's in the bath, blazing a doobie as he does, and uh, they just, come in just singing away to himself. Yeah, they come in as a as a threatening, um, trying to intimidate him to try and get this this money, uh, and the marmot goes into the bath. Yeah, to fuck the marmot <laughs> into the bath. So these guys are. I, I, I think they're. Are they German or they're German? German nihilists. German nihilists who, obviously, when Walter hears that back, he's not happy. Yes, because then they're also in a, a nihilist electro band. Electro band called Autobahn. Autobahn, <laughs> uh, which, which is, just, is based on craftwork, like but. yeah, absolutely. Oh yeah, the, the album cover and everything that they yes. show in the film is completely craftwork. Uh, uh, Flea from Chili Peppers. Yeah, he's one of them. Flea is one of them. Um, there's not too many. He's done a few acting roles, but not too many. But this is one of the sort of more prominent ones, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, so they're the they're the sort of evil um, henchmen, if you want to call it that. But they're also linked in, in there in a way too. So there's a sort of this is the thing about the, the Big Lebowski. There's so many elements going on. There's so many things yeah. happening, you know. But they it. Us trying to dissect it makes it sound like it's very confusing, but it's not. It's it's, it flows it's not, very it's well. A very, like, yeah. It's a very straightforward story, but it's yeah. just so many things happen. It's very difficult to keep on track. <laughs> yeah. um, and because in the middle of it all, then is uh, there's a, a a porn producer, a porn director that's owed money, Jackie yes. Treehorn, played by Ben Gazzara. Yeah, and he he one of his productions is shown to Lebowski by Maud, uh-huh. which has Bunny in it. And one of the nihilists, yes, whose name is Carl Hungus, <laughs> in a porno called Log Jamming. Log Jamming. <laughs> it's great. Why Log Jamming was never made, I Log do not know. Log Jamming. Log Jamming. It's um, such a good name. It's a great name for a porno. So uh, <laughs> that's funny. If any porn directors are out there, why has it not been done yet? You know, it probably has. It should be. It probably has. It, it should be. follow the yeah. script exactly. <laughs> Of log the, the dude abides, <laughs> and you know the Coens. They probably filmed like a, a good 10, 15 minutes of just funny stuff for yeah, just to have yeah. You know, oh, know. I said it. No more funny stuff. No funny stuff. Oh. But uh, they um, <laughs> what is it that Stormare says when he walks in? He goes, "Hi, I'm Cable Man. I'm here to fix Cable. I'm expert." <laughs> <laughs> As the he's got like a wig on and like a sleeveless shirt <laughs> with his name on it, Carl Hungus. <laughs> Carl Hungus. <laughs> Right. Oh, uh, <laughs> so as as the film goes on, then we're getting close to you know uh, finding out about what's going on with this kidnapping, yeah. and um, of course Walter, being the fucking genius that he is, he wants to uh, keep the money. Yes. Throw out. Uh, they were supposed to deliver a, a, <coughs> a suitcase or a briefcase of money, and uh, he decided to fire a, a suitcase out full of. Uh, Underwear yeah, as a ringer because he thought I'm going to go and beat the shit out of these guys and take the money and run. Which again, Walter Ben Walter doesn't work out. <laughs> doesn't work out at all. <laughs> it spectacularly fails. And uh, so, in the middle of all that, because the dude has lost the money that he was supposed to deliver for the the, the ransom money, um, the the kidnappers up their game by sending uh, a tow. Yes. Um, a tow that they say belongs to the wife of the millionaire, and if you do not give the money, we will take more body parts away <laughs> from her. Um, so this just sort of <laughs> sums up Walter. <laughs> this is Walter meeting the dude after the tow has been revealed. That wasn't her tow, dude. <laughs> Whose tow was it, Walter? What the fuck should I know? I do know that nothing about it indicates... Yeah, it the nail her. polish, Walter. Fine, dude. As if it's impossible to get some nail polish, apply it to someone else's toe. Someone else? Where the fuck are they going to get... You want a toe? I can get you a toe. Believe me. There are ways, dude. You don't want to know about it, believe me. Yeah, but Walter... Hell, I can get you a toe by 3 o'clock this afternoon with nail polish. (laughs) Just (laughs) Just, (laughs) really does get into his mindset. Yeah, I know said anything there and he would have been like, yeah, I can get it for you. (laughs) Yeah, I can get it for uh, portraying that he's such a badass and he's involved in the sort of the black market and the underground criminal yeah. activity. When in the scene previous, he's fallen out of a car with an Uzi in a bag <laughs> and let the Uzi spin around shooting everything, and <laughs> the car hits a post. And you're like, oh my. Uh, so yeah, you have that, and and so the ransom and the kidnapping and that sort of uh, is almost sort of the true story through the whole. Yeah. keeps everybody in, in line. Uh, as the, as the the film goes on, then we start to see you know um, 
a couple of sequences that are quite visually uh, out there. So you've got a couple. You've got one where he's uh, he's been drugged, mm-hmm. and so then this is a sort of uh, his journey while he's uh, while he's drugged. The other one is when he's he's been knocked out or something. He's right? been knocked out yeah. by uh, Maud's henchmen. Yeah, when they steal the rug. And so you have through Los Angeles. <laughs> through Los Angeles. You have, so you have two uh, two great uh, tunes as well, soundtrack wise. Because yeah. the soundtrack in this, as always, with Goins is, is quite uh, yeah, it's brilliant. Yeah, it's a great level. And uh, so you've got Bob Dylan, um, the man and me. The man and me is is the the carpet ride one as mm-hmm. such, and then the other one which is Kenny Rogers. Kenny Rogers just dropped in to see what condition my condition was in, and that's when he's dancing. That one that's, was... That's where he dances with the girls and he... Uh, uh, Saddam yeah. Hussein gives him bowling shoes. And, <laughs> um, so they're kind of like dream sequences, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. but the, the, the way but it was very, described... Very, very visually... I by the uh, Coens is if anybody else was knocked out and having hallucinations, they wouldn't be as vivid. Yeah. But because of his previous uh, experiences with um, acid and he mentions it a bit and with marijuana, he's having quite a visually stimulating <laughs> hallucination. And they are, and I mean... Uh, uh, Technically, the Coens talk about the technicality of that, uh, especially the one with the dancing girls. Yeah. A lot of technical... Thing. And again, you're talking 1998, so it's not really... There's no proper CGI as no. such. There's not really that, that, that depth. They did shrink him down a bit. There's a scene mm-hmm. where he has to go through the legs of all the... Uh, yeah, he has... These girls are basically straddling the bowling lane. And he's and just he going under. floats underneath. This is yeah. part of the scene. And uh, if you look very closely... I think it's like the second or third girl that he passes. He goes literally through her leg? No, you can see that. Um, so apparently the, the bad thing was when they were filming this, so the girls had to stand over and he had to mm-hmm. go underneath, one of the girls didn't wear underwear. Oh. So when he got to pass the first leg, but if you look really closely, you can see his eyes really. <laughs> Start like, to light up? Like, no, there's a like shock. But it's like a very, very brief glimpse. If you look very closely, you'll see his eyes going. That's <laughs> because the girl that he just passed had no underwear on. So they were again. That's uh, I don't think the Coens have done as much before or since in regards to that type of dream sequence montage type thing. Um, it was very. Hail Caesar has a few. Yes, uh, well, um, but this was very trippy. Very no, out there, that but is that, but that's I, the drug that's background. Like, there, yeah, like that, yeah, that yeah, is out there really, really out there, and it's like a good. You know, you're talking the full length of a song, so you're mm-hmm. talking three, four minutes of it. Mm-hmm. Really good. Uh, everything, the, the the rug, especially in the first one, the rug with the you know, they even gets to be a flying carpet at some yeah, speed. You know, they they, they they they, they reference everything. Um, so we're getting to the to the end of it, um, and we're not going to give away any endings or that sort of thing. But it's very hard to give away anything because there's just so much. I'm, so many. I'm pretty sure it ended about half an hour in, but <laughs> you just keep going and you just enjoy. Yeah, where it's good. I don't care where it went. Yeah. It was just so enjoyable the whole way through. <laughs> so many fucking things. One of there. the funny things I read about um, the music in particular when they picked up on, they had certain songs they wanted. They were listening to Kenny Rogers when they were writing the script, uh-huh. so they wanted just dropped in, yeah, in the film at some point. But they wanted T Bone Burnett, who they hadn't worked with yet uh-huh. on a major scale. Obviously, they won fucking Oscars and made millions yeah. and millions on Oh Brother right now, but they're. The, and then the, Bridges and him worked again on Crazy Heart. Was yes, it? Yeah, yes, that's right. Yeah. Um, they they asked him just as a, can you suggest some songs that we can play f- for the film, sort of in mm-hmm. the theme in the theme of what we're already showing? And he picked um, Towns Van Zandt's cover of Dead Flowers by the Rolling Stones, which is the song that the credits are playing to. Ah, yes, uh huh, yeah. But of course, it's the Rolling Stones. Mm-hmm. So what he found out was the Rolling Stones manager. Ex manager, sorry, owned the rights to Dead Flowers and he wouldn't give it away unless he gave them $150,000 just to play it over the credits, not even in a major part of it. So Team Bone Burnett convinced him to come and visit and see an early cut of the film. Mm-hmm. And it got to the bit where Lebowski's in the taxi and he goes, right. well, I don't want to listen to the yeah. fucking Eagles. I can't listen to the fucking Eagles, man, not the Eagles. And your man stood up and went, That's it, you can get it for free. <laughs> Ah, and they let them have the song for nothing. <laughs> now, even though it's a cover version of a Rolling yeah. Stones song, you still have to get them passes by producers or 
people that have the right to yeah. the material. Absolutely. And I let them put the minute, the f- minute the slag the eagles. So we should explain that, but I, I, again, I just love the fact because it's just it's such a it's such a, a a weird contrast of the actual scene. So he gets picked up after he's been drugged. Yes, from Jackie Treehorns, and yeah. he's on his way back to his house or a bowling alley or something in the back of a taxi. Uh, there's a, <coughs> a quite a muscular black guy driving the taxi, um, and the dudes in the back. Peaceful, easy feeling is the song Peaceful, that's playing by the Eagles. And uh, now we've already, by the stage, been told in the film that the dude is a big Credence fan. Yeah, Credence Clearwater Revival's his band, and when he got his car stole, he was just more worried about the Credence tapes than yep. anything else. So Credence, you, you can, so it's such a it's such an insight as to where his mind's at. Mm-hmm. His mind's still at the battle of the late seventies between Credence and Eagles. Yep. <laughs> Which yep. is that he hasn't left there. No, he hasn't. Left. Uh, he's still listening to fucking tr- uh, tapes of uh, famous bowling competitions from the eighties. Yep. Well, you know? So he's very much in the back of the time. I always forget what that bit is. So, that's really funny. Too. So he's in the back of uh, the taxi, and he's just coming around from being drugged. He's trying to, you know, in fairness, he's not in a good space, and he says to the guy. <laughs> Man, can we change the channel, please? And the taxi driver gets very upset. No, this is my taxi. That you'll listen. And he just flippantly says, oh "But at God. that point, you think it's because it's it's my radio station. You don't realize, yeah. Th- no, you don't know why. Yeah, you don't know what the reason is. You're just like, yeah, uh, yeah he d- I don't want this guy yeah. going anywhere near my radio. And then, uh, I just want you to turn the channel over. And then he happens to flippantly just say, "Oh, come on, man, I fucking hate the Eagles." <laughs> <laughs> Car pulls over, yep. taxi driver, big black guy goes out, takes him out, don't you fuck about with the eagles, and throws him out the yeah. door. Because he slagged the eagles. Because <laughs> he slagged the eagles. And uh, I just thought that was so not what you were expecting. You no. know, you think about it, think about the visual of it. You've got, you know, um, if you were to go on the racial stereotypes. Of course. It should be the dude in the back wanting yeah. to listen to the eagles. You know what I mean? But it's the other yeah. way around. It's the black guy that wants to make sure the eagle stays on. But the fact that he's so resolute, there isn't like a, what did you say? He's like, he just you're stops. Yep, he just stops the guy. Straight away. fuck with the eagles. <laughs> yeah, it's a good scene. Uh, I love that. The fact that he got that song for free for hearing that line. That's great. Yeah, he just hated the eagles too. Like. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I mean... Like all the sort of uh, the stuff we cover on here, we we don't want to give away ends. We don't give away, but there's so many things do happen. In it. Yeah. Um, but all these characters come together at some point, or some you know, everything's cauterized in some way mm-hmm. at the end. And uh, it's one of those ones where every single time I watch it or rewatch it, I pick up something. Mm-hmm. Like there was only the other day I picked up the, the big Lebowski thing. All right. Space, Ra- Space Raiders might have played a part in that, but probably do. Yeah, um, but every single time, there's always something new. There's always some wee visual thing or or a line of dialogue or something, just because there's so much happens in it that you couldn't properly. You'll enjoy it. You'll love the film when you watch mm-hmm. it. But it's one of those ones when you watch it again and you will want to watch it again. Uh, you do find wee small things at all times, which is a sign of a great film. There's so many layers to it. And is there anything in particular that you've picked up on? Uh, I've watched it recently. If there isn't, uh, I, I've got a story because there's a guy who wrote for the Washington Times, uh-huh. well, Washington Post, sorry, and he wrote this review where he was sort of like, sort of the weakest in the Cohen's canon so far. Right. But at the end of the century, when he did his top 10 films of the last 20 years, he had to rewrite the review and said he regretted ever saying that. And he now thinks it's the best Cohen Brothers film. Right. I did. Well, this now, shows, yeah. That's again. We've spoke about in the past about be it music, be it TV, be it film, but a lot of things we cover, they didn't quite get a good run around the first go. Yeah. Um. And we said it earlier in the podcast, but this one in particular, you might not get it. Yeah. But you might find yourself giggling at wee bits after it's over. Well, absolutely, because the characters are so good. Even if you didn't uh, follow the film, there's so many standout characters who, like you said earlier, there's so many set pieces all coming together. But this is where it was described by the Coen brothers themselves. It's based around Raymond Chandler novels. Yes, based around like The Big Sleep and all this stuff. Mm -hmm. And it's hugely influenced by Long Goodbye, the Robert Altman film, which is a film noir film as well. But the way the Coens described it was most of these films sort of don't make any sense. There's a lot of things happen, and ninety percent of them have nothing, nothing to do with, to do with the end product. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. so that's what this and, is. Yeah, and they purposely did that. Yeah, they purposely yeah, did yeah. it. So 
It was described by the filmmakers, the writers themselves, as a hopelessly stylized plot that's ultimately unimportant. <laughs> so, which well, certainly could yeah, sum up the dude. Which, which is pretty much, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's 90% of the characters in most of their films. Yeah. Fair. But if you do find yourself watching this going, it's just not for me. It isn't for everyone, but go back and there's wee bits that will please you. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. I, I'm trying to, I was trying to think there of... So, do you know what I only found out? And this is uh, I, when it happened and when I realised, I was like, you're so fucking stupid. <laughs> I, uh, I didn't realise that later on when the, uh, Donnie and uh, Walter and the dude meet up in a theatre watching the dance recital. Yes. It's, I didn't realize it's the landlord. It's the landlord. <laughs> it's the landlord will come earlier on. Who's Marty? Like a, Marty's a real nervous guy looking for invites dude to the dance recital, and then uh, ultimately asks for his rent at the end of it. He's, he hasn't for, paid like, he's meant to be there because he hasn't been paid his rent for a while. But then he, he keeps mentioning him about his recital, and then in the middle, but they of, don't, you don't see no, the landlord no, no, ever again. Don't you don't mention it ever again. And then about an hour <laughs> in the film, they're just three of them are sitting there watching this dance. I'm going, why are they watching? I was like, fuck. They're in the, the middle of an investigation into finding out who had stolen uh, their car, mm-hmm. which is also in the middle of all this, <laughs> which I won't even reference. But the, in the background, while they're talking. <laughs> Marty's having his wee recital on the stage <laughs> and he's just dancing about and apparently that boy like practiced all that for weeks right. and it's just like a thing going on in the background of these boys having a conversation about how they're gonna track down this guy who stole their car yeah and I mean but again I was just uh, on upon rewatching, I always knew the scene was there yeah of course it's just I never and because the thing is too the Coens don't really give the landlord a real close-up no. To know that it's him, or don't, don't give him any dialogue, don't give any action. Them three are just in the, in the audience. So, stay. so it could have been a cinema or anything they were sitting in, but it mm-hmm. happened to be this dancer's idol. So that was the one thing that I thought, geez, I'd never seen that before. Um, so you have uh, you have a couple of scenes then where um, we're trying, they're trying to find the money. They're trying to trace back. So the dude's car has been stolen. Um, they're trying to find out. They 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 do a bit of investigation work. They realize it belongs to. Uh, it was must have been stolen by a fifteen year old because they find his homework in the, the car. Yep. They go to visit the fifteen year old, yep. which is another fantastic set piece. Yeah. Um, uh, they find out his father works on a TV show and his father lives in the living room in an iron lung. Yes, and the father is like, it's the first time you see Walter actually. In humble, all? yeah, uh, yeah he's like yeah. he's proper, like oh, it's an honor, sir, and all this sort of stuff. Even the guy's not fucking. The guy can't, can't speak. speak. But uh, the that scene, I mean, you, you've got then probably Goodman's, well, definitely most physical, but uh, definitely one of the best scenes in it where he has to tries to teach the young cub a lesson. Yes, um, he confuses. <laughs> A brand new car <laughs> outside in the street yeah. for so the, yeah so they've landed at the house they yeah. they they see this spanking new sports car and they're like ah oh, shit he's already sold the money and uh, so this was their reaction they're like no no he couldn't have spent a million dollars he's only spent you know forty thousand yeah. whatever but don't worry because it does like I mean just pure coincidence so yes when Larry doesn't give up anything and will not tell. Um, Walter decides to go out and teach him a lesson and show him what happens when you fuck a stranger in the ass. Yep. <laughs> Which is a phrase he keeps saying. And I didn't know... As he beats the shit out of the car and breaks everyone doing it. For a long period of time, um, in the early 2000s, The Big Lebowski was one of the highest rated instances of the word fucking a film. Like it was in the top 10. Right. Because they oh, say... I suppose I quite drop often, it a lot. Yeah, yeah. Now it's 29. Out of every film ever made, it's the 29th highest moved use, use of the word fuck in a film. Well, there you are. That shows you where the world is going. The it's world 291 is... 291 times, is it, or something? Bucked. Yeah, yeah. It, uh, dropped, it dropped 19 places. If you drop 19 places in 20 years, uh, mm-hmm. in regards to profanity, it shows you where society's going. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Is it going in a good way or bad I way? Think there's a, I think there's a, a film way. called Fuck the Musical. <laughs> I think it holds the record, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I, did I, did, docu- I don't even I did, notice. I did see a documentary some one time called uh, about the story of fuck, uh-huh. where the word fuck, where, where it actually. All oh, right, okay, yeah, yeah. that's quite good. Go and take a check out it. Uh, but yes, yeah, so they do use that a lot, and I mean the. I think it's this scene in particular that that was referenced. And sorry, Walter's beating the dirt out of a car, saying, "This is what happens when you fuck a stranger in the ass." And what John Goodman didn't know was that they closed the street. So he was very conscious of shouting fuck in the middle uh-huh. of the night on uh-huh. a on a residential street over and over and over again. 
And it wasn't until like the third take the Coens were like, why are you holding back? There's, nobody can hear us. The houses are all soundproof. Like everybody's gone. I was like, oh, for... F-. So then he went, he went at it. like, And... Uh, so we'll we well what we'll do is we'll we'll play the clip of uh, of Walter trying to interrogate the fifteen year old Larry who doesn't speak <laughs> and saying, doesn't move a muscle does not move is not phased or worried by Walter no. at all doesn't give two flying fucks about what the threats are no. and uh, and I think this just antagonizes Walter even more he just gets more agitated yeah it's a safe bet all right this is pointless. Okay, it's time for plan B. Teach him a lesson. You might want to watch out that front window, Larry. <laughs> Son, this is what happens when you fuck a stranger in the ass. <laughs> this, this is to the car. That's not his car. Prick, stonewalling me, Walter. What? What are you doing, man? So he goes and takes what the. What are you doing? The tire iron. Here you go, Larry. You see what happens? You see what happens, Larry? You see what happens? This is what happens when you fuck a stranger in the ass, Larry. This is what happens, Larry. You see what happens, Larry? You see what happens when you fuck a stranger in the ass? This is what happens. You see what happens, Larry? You see what happens, Larry? Do you see what happens, Larry, when you fuck a stranger in the ass? <laughs> and like, <laughs> so, so yeah, the, whole, the whole time Larry's just standing there. He's just not looking at the He yet. couldn't give a. F- uh, and the main reason Larry couldn't give a fuck, it's not his car. It's not his car. <laughs> it's the guy next door. Yep. <laughs> Who then comes out and, in an attempt to get some sort of uh, social justice, decides to beat the shit out of the dude's car. Yeah, uh, as payback, and the dude's car is already beat to shit anyway, um, and it just leaves it with no windows, no glass. And yeah. I just love that it doesn't, f- it doesn't finish that scene as such. It doesn't give you any closure. It just cuts to them driving with the wind, <laughs> the wind blowing through their fucking face because <laughs> they've no one screen, and the two boys are eating burgers from a night burger. Uh, yeah, so I mean, at the the actual. The genius level of this, I mean, is uh, the the interaction of all the characters, the yeah. dialogue. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a video going about uh, online at the moment. Um, you'll probably find it in Facebook or Instagram where it shows you one of the bowling scenes and then it shows you the script right beside it. Okay. So it's kind of like, uh, it's, it's one of those ones of, uh, let's take a look at how this okay. actually came to life sort of thing so how they and it shows you that that scene that we talked about earlier on that does sound improvised it shows you line by line them going through that every word was on the script it wasn't like, I'd well believe it like. it's, it's, it's amazing when you see that because mm-hmm. even some of the wee like Danny's wee ins, uh, inserts or uh, Walter's responses they were all there so that's a that's a, a massive uh, nod to the writing I mean the writing is unbelievable yeah um the two boys, the Coens, as always, um, you know, it's it's very it's very stylish in the way it's shot. Um, it's yeah, they don't they don't they don't sort of um, scupper on the people they use for their films. It's yeah, Roger, Roger Deakins is one of the best cinematographers on the planet, and yeah, that, that's their ga- their go to guy and has been for quite a while. And you can see, like, yeah, it's clear the end of yeah. the film the, the the benefit of having him there. Uh, and it also, and although today they could get anybody they wanted, yeah, in, anyone. in 1998 they still could pretty much get, you know, well, after today Fargo, they can get absolutely anyone they want because it's the Coen Brothers. But in 1998, as you say, Fargo had just been the Oscars and stuff, so they were mm-hmm. they were the buzzwords in that sense. Oh but yeah, now, absolutely. When you take about what they've produced since Big Lebowski, mm-hmm. the, the trust is there with them, and they're. Well, I mean, just before Fargo even, man, I mean, they had Huntsucker Proxy, which wasn't well received, but, I mean, Tim Robbins and Paul Newman are it. Mm-hmm, I know. That's and, true. like, Robbins had just been Oscar nominated, and, mm-hmm. you know, it's Paul Newman. And it's the type type of film that a lot of people would back away from, because it's very strange. Yeah. But um, then they go to Fargo, and they stick to their core guys again, and then they go to Big Lebowski, yeah. and they go back to a lot of core guys. Mm-hmm. So I think they like certain people's faces as characters. 
Yeah, and, and, and uh, relationships that they have with actors as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, oh, it it's very, very clear that they uh, they like working with certain people. Well, the brilliance of the, the cameo by Totoro as Jesus Quintana is that they saw Totoro years before in a play yeah, in so New York. Yeah, in New York, yeah. And he was playing a Hispanic character, and they always went, he's funny as a Hispanic and yeah, then they, they never. It. Yeah, because any of the films he'd been in, he plays an American. Yeah, American uh, Hispanic, obviously. But, so I mean, just, but this they, time he's an actual. They like, just yeah. held off, and then like you can just imagine the two boys sitting writing, and one went, "Why don't we add into Turo as a Spanish person in this one?" <laughs> like, oh, right. Should and we what call, they we'll call him Jesus. They are big on also writing scripts and putting them to the side for donkeys and never going back to them for mm-hmm. a long time. But they always finish them. Yeah. So this was one of them that they went back to and went, "All right, we can add this part in now." Maybe. So it really, the way they write, there's always like 12 scripts going at a time, which is fucking which insane. Which is mental, absolutely yeah. crazy. Um, okay, so listen, that, that that was our take on The Big Lebowski, um, one of our best of the best. We do think, um, you, uh, if you've seen it before, you will obviously agree with us, because I don't think I've ever met anybody that didn't like it. I know I've seen loads of people who haven't seen it. I know I a lot know. of people who are big, big fans of it, so I think this is going to be interesting. Yeah. Um, thank you very much for listening. We hope you uh, get the chance to go and watch it. I went to check last night to see where it's on. It's on Amazon Prime. Yeah. It's not on Netflix. No, no it's off no. Netflix now. So if you get a chance, it's on Prime. If not, you probably and should have a copy of it if you don't go and buy one. Yep. Uh, so thank you very much for listening, as always. Uh, we'll do the usual um, plea. Uh, if you'd spread the word um, please <laughs> let uh, people know about it put a, a subscription and a, a like or a comment or any of those sort of things uh, Facebook and Instagram and Twitter are our usual haunts for pushing things out yeah and uh, we will be back again next week we're sorry for the delay by the way we yeah bring a, it's just why a lot of people disappointed um, we got a we, I got a shitload of, when I say shitload uh, two people were really upset <laughs> yeah I think I got Monday. like I got two or three well when I mentioned it on Sunday to a few people they were like and that's what I drive up to work listening to you or something <laughs> yeah. like that and you go I know so we'll try not to do this again but it was a total mind fart we didn't two boys nah. got caught up in other things and then nah. just didn't happen uh, homework yep. not done and uh and we could have bluffed it, like could have bluffed it, but then but it wouldn't have been as good. But then you would have had Walter breaking the door down and saying, "Is this your homework?" Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> okay, thank you very much for listening. We will be back next week, and uh, so it's goodbye from me, and it's goodbye from him. Bye bye. <laughs>